0: This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 58, talking about Gotham, season 2, episode 7, Mommy's Little Monster. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites. We're back talking about Gotham, Season 2, Episode 7, Mommy's Little Monster. This is Episode 58 of our podcast, Gotham TV Podcast. Great to have you with us. I'm Derek, one of your hosts. Hi there, Detectives. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yeah, yeah. Really good episode this week.
1: Fantastic episode. Loved it to bits. Lots going on. So much. Death. Aftermath of death. Uh, reveals exposure of Galavan, uh, Jim being a clever clogs again, mm-hmm. um, loads of it. Uh, Butch restored, hopefully, back to his independent, free-thinking self. So Almost. He's still missing yeah. a hand. <laughs> he's still missing a hand, and I'm not entirely sure whether he's been released of um, Oswald's brainwashing or, or Zaz's brainwashing. Or whether he's now subject to Tabitha's brainwash.
0: Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Yep, yeah, but really good to be back though. Another, another good week in Gotham, definitely. Had a good episode of Walking Dead last night as well. While we, while we were watching it, we had a really good episode of this. And I've also been watching the OJ Simpson, uh, case. Yeah, that's, so been that's cool. been really, really good. Yeah. So lots of good TV this week. Loads of great TV. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really good. And
1: of course, for our discussions about Gotham, you can find us at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. You can search for us on any other good podcast catcher, such as Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod. Just search Gotham TV Podcast in those apps. Absolutely. Um, and a, places. Loader absolutely. Places. Listen to us, leave a review, subscribe, and we will come floating through uh, between the log holes of you on a weekly basis whilst Gotham is on air. And of course, there's nothing better than the discussions between fans and and watchers of Gotham or listeners of this podcast. So if you have any thoughts, comments, feedback or discussion points about Gotham Season 2 so far or particular episodes, send them in to feedback at Podcast.com. You can also join our page on Facebook and our group, just search gotham tv podcast and of course we live tweet every monday at 10 p.m for gotham on channel 5 as it airs so you can follow us join us and tweet back at us
0: at Gotham TV podcast. That's right, that's right. Uh, it would be remiss of us to uh, to not mention the fact that Gotham returns in the U- US uh, uh, next week the 29th of February with uh, episode 12 I believe of the series. So uh, a lot of our US listeners who've been listening to us in the break between um, when gotham finished in the us and when it started up in the uk uh, we'll be able to get brand new content next week so i know they're very excited about that a lot of uh, a lot of people tweeting at us about that getting very excited to see brand new episodes but it's great for us we're, we're currently in experiencing that because we're getting new episodes every week that we haven't seen before which yeah, is really enjoyable.
1: absolutely and we will be about four episodes behind yeah. then roughly and of course we are now non-stop through to the end of gotham here um
0: in ireland and the uk mm-hmm, that's right so hopefully Hopefully we'll be either very caught up, or at least only four episodes behind. Not as far behind as we may have thought when we began. Um, so, pretty good, pretty good, absolutely. And hopefully, there is a bit of transatlantic crossover between
1: uh listeners, and hopefully, we'll re- reconnect with some of our good
0: friends there at Legends of Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time to get into this week's episode discussion about episode seven. Mommy's Little Monster. Uh, This episode was directed by Kenneth Fink, uh, first time directing an episode of Gotham. Uh, He's formerly directed episodes of Person of Interest, of Revenge, and of course of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one of my favourite shows. It was written by Robert Hull and also a New person to Gotham. He's never actually written an episode before, so uh, he comes from Once Upon a Time, from Alcatraz and Gossip Girl. So uh, no comic book shows in his in his past, but this is his first uh, first attempt. I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, what I liked about this episode, to just before we kick into it, what I liked about it was uh, this is episode seven of season two. Episode seven of season one, if you remember, was the big twist episode that had a lot of Oswald Cobblepot uh, being a very central character, I and mean, we can see that trend is kind of taken on again in season two. This is a very Oswald centric episode. Big time, yeah. Yeah. John, do you want to tell us what Robert gave us with this episode? Absolutely. Butch surprises Cobblepot
1: with his independent thinking as he leads Penguin into a trap of Galavan's making that has tragic consequences for his dearly beloved mum, Gertrude Cobblepot. As Oswald escapes the betrayal, he vows terrible vengeance upon Theo Galavan, who has been elected mayor, and who also promises to throw the resources of his new office at the Penguin. As the feud unfolds between the two men, Jim Gordon begins to suspect that Galavan is embroiled in more corrupt, criminal activities than his standing would have previously suggested. As Theo hosts his mayoral victory celebrations, the tensions erupt into a gunfight as Copperpot arrives, uninvited with his waddling henchmen. In the face-off between the GCPD and Penguin's men, Galavan is exposed to Gordon as the corrupt and murdering official we've known him to be, and Jim states his intention to bring him down. Elsewhere, following the death of Kristen Kringle, Edward Nigma's mental state worsens as his split personality attempts to convince him that he enjoys getting away
0: with murder. We do say it every week, but if this is your first time joining us for an episode, the way we cover our episodes is we take five points each to discuss the episode, uh, hopefully covering off everything we want to talk about about the episode. We also sometimes find a Batman sixty six moment, which is a reference to the old Adam West show, uh, which be a little bit more flamboyant moment in the episode. We find a Bullockism if we can find one. There's sometimes a Nolan moment. There's sometimes a Batman eighty nine moment, the Tim Burton film that we find during the episode. So hopefully, throughout our discussion, we'll get and cover everything we need to, and then we'll talk about some feedback from um, from our listeners. But there be spoilers ahead, Miha. Absolutely, I think that's the first time we've had a uh, we've had a spoiler warning in about uh, fifteen episodes. So hopefully, we haven't spoiled loads of people on on the episodes as they go.
1: Absolutely. Hopefully not. But we look through five points, uh, as Derek said, and I think with that, Derek, what's your first point?
0: Uh, It's got to be the start of this episode, the opener for this episode, the death of Mama Kappelpuss. Poor old Gertrude. I really wasn't expecting this one. Um, You kind of expect that uh, that we would have been seeing oswald tracking her down finding her location he's a a pretty uh, knowledgeable guy and usually able to kind of wangle his way out of any situation you know i was really expecting that potentially that they just twist the screws a bit more on galavan and and use oswald a bit more and here we see effectively without any kind of uh question at all we see gertrude Cobblepot uh taken out stabbed in the back by tabitha a nice little metaphor there for what's happening uh, and then that's it end of uh End of the life of Gertrude. Um, really, really sad moment and really well, uh, really well put together. Um, and I love how it plays out later on in the episode when you have Oswald clearly very, very hurt about the death of his mother and going oh, to take out Galivan. Yeah. Yeah. Comes up with an amazing plan. Um, and just has, you know, some lines where he's trying to plead with jim gordon saying to her but i have to watch her die you don't know what that does to a person and what we effectively find out it does to a person is turn them into an evil crime villain in gotham basically you know an even more powerful and even more um thoughtful villain really in in this city
1: no absolutely i mean this leads to the wrath of the penguin i mean this is a big mistake really from galavan mm-hmm. like it, it leads to his um reveal his exposure to um to to jim gordon as to his true uh being his true personality his true um aim uh for becoming mayor and his sort of more uh, nefarious activities that he's been doing in gotham so I mean, this is a big mistake for galavan it, yeah. it makes the mask slip for galavan here and i mean i do think that the, the death of Gertrude Capelport was really well done. It, it felt meaningful. You know, she goes to her grave still holding that belief that her, her child, her only child, her son that she cares for, um, is still this good boy, mm. um, is not this, cr- uh, criminal king, uh, of, of the underworld of Gotham or, or the, the, you know, the criminal empire that he has. It, she, still sees him as her little Oswald. And, my I mean, monster, you know, yeah. my little pee-pee, I think she says mm. um, about him, is, you know, mommy's little monster, all of these things. And, um, you know, the whole revenge angle towards Galavan, you know, the, the swipe of the knife that he does using the knife that stabbed his own mom to sort of try and get a quick uh sort of win against Galavan by killing him. Yeah um like really really good so this was a great opener i mean straight off the bat this episode has so much going on and and is a really big episode deaths and everything straight off the bat really good opening and and, and a sad opening and yeah. you know carol kane is a great um gertrude Kappel put, Absolutely. and her her um presence um, will be missed i mean even thinking about it and um, seeing oswald on screen for this season and knowing that she's been kidnapped her presence is there because you know that it's driving him you know that behind all of this is the the, the love of a son to uh towards his mom absolutely and, and it's it's You know that this drives him, so her presence will be sorely missed, but it will still drive him, I think, for terrible vengeance and fury that will be cast down upon uh, him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those interesting things, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, not only was she there uh, as his driving force to, to get to her. You know, a lot, a lot of the interesting thing about Oswald is that he was a bit of a mommy's boy. He was going home most nights anyway after his nefarious dealings within Gotham to kind of, you know, <laughs> pretend to his mother that he, uh, that he was leading a good life. But that's his only real connection outside of the underworld was his mother, uh, Gertrude, which he no longer has. So it's kind of interesting to see what the impact might be. Does this drive him even further into crazy schemes and crazy plans because he doesn't have to go home every night to, uh, to explain what he's been doing during the day effectively. He has no partner. He has no, uh, no wife waiting at home for him, no kids to explain it to, no mother now. Um, is this the point where he just goes out, goes all out now?
1: He becomes like proper birdie, dirty, crazy birdie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like this is kind of, uh, you know, what will be the implication and ramifications of this? Mm. I mean, in many respects, he's lost his emotional crutch, his emotional connection. Mm-hmm. He is now quite literally on his own. He has no one. We do know, obviously, that his dad is going to arrive. But what's yes. the relationship, though? Yeah. What is going to happen? Is it a good relationship? Is it a bad relationship? Because we haven't heard anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, really he, looking forward to seeing it. That's you know,
0: played by Paul Rubens, who's Pee Wee Herman to a lot of people. Um, really interesting idea to cast that character. You know, Carol Kane would have been um, a kind of that kind of actress in the past she would have that kind of crazier side to her acting in in previous roles like in scrooge I think i remember in she was also an unbreakable kimmy smith on on netflix uh, where she also played quite a, a crazy character she's not
1: alive damn it
0: <laughs> she is alive damn it. not gertrude capital <laughs> <laughs> That that is true she is not alive damn it um but so it's interesting that the cast, the cast someone like paul rubens who comes from a similar it's a type miracle of background.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> it is a miracle. It is interesting that they found another person to play this kind of role. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see, to see that dynamic. He definitely doesn't have a dynamic with his father like he would have had with his mother who he's lived with for so many years so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when uh, when that happens in the future but yes hugely sad moments Um our Twitter feed was filled up while we were live tweeting last night with just people saying oh no I can't believe that's happened so sad to see her go as were my eyes mm-hmm. filled up with watery salty tears all right alright with that, John, do you want to lift the mood with your first point? I think I will, because I did have, obviously,
1: the death of Gertrude as one of my points. Mm. So you've stolen it, you wicked child. <laughs> it's got um, We steal everything. <laughs> of but, yeah, I mean, let's lighten the mood with um, tea time, with Lapsang, Sushan, <laughs> um and, and, again, we see a great uh, tea reference for, from Alfred here. And, of course, it's coupled with the fact that Silver St. Cloud is not um, the innocent young lady that she appears to be. Mm-hmm. The butter would, in fact, uh, melt in her mouth. Um, so I, I love this. I, I love how she's talking about tea hills and, and, and tea estates in, in China. And, of course, you get a deadpan Alfred that says, well, technically it's Pinewood. Right. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know whether it is or it isn't or whether he's referring to pinewood studios or something <laughs> in a very British way but like I love this I love the tea reference of course you get a great one liner off selena as well referring uh, yeah. back to the the slap by alfred which is um, that smell really does slap you in the face doesn't it alfred right. i mean a great little nod back uh-huh. to a To a a moment which you know did have people talking about whether it maybe was a bit too much but I mean I think you know it's a good nod back to that it kind of maybe puts it in perspective and of course um, Sean Pertwee has addressed it so Mm -hmm. I I love that but I I do think here you know this is a great episode for Silver St Cloud it really establishes her as part of the galavan group and that you know she is actually aware of what she's doing she knows what her role is in galavan's plan and galavan is more than happy to involve his ward um in this and she's happy to go along with this but she is brutal to selena um and it's a great little sort of tete-a-tete between the two which i really enjoyed um you know Bruce will only have one friend kind of moving forward. Mm. Real threatening. Uh, and, you know, Silver St. Cloud is uh, is not a cloud with a silver lining. No, certainly uh, not. More with a, an electric thunderbolt coming straight from it. But I loved this. And I, I loved the whole lapsang Souchong conversation as well. Really nice little moment uh, in this episode, which, again, it... It's the range of this episode. It all fits nicely together. And and this was a really good point that sort of propels that Bruce Wayne storyline and the connection to the Galavans forward as well.
0: Oh absolutely and and just that moment with Natalie Ann Lind who plays the part uh, that moment where she talks to Galavan about the fact you know she's got Bruce, do you see that finger I've got him wrapped right around it you know really great moment for the character because she could so easily have been just the love interest for Bruce. Uh, I love that she is just as Machiavellian as the other uh, Galavans. Really really good Uh, and also the big moment at the end of the episode where once again, poor little Brucie has his uh, has his heart being pulled upon by uh, by a lady. Um he gets the big kiss uh from Silver where she seals the deal of wrapping him around her finger. Uh and it's viewed by uh Selena Kyle. So um Selena knows exactly what's going on with Silver St. Cloud. Uh so hopefully she'll be there to help out uh out Brucie in, in matters of the heart. Um but yeah, it's a really uh really tough moment i would say for um for selena to watch uh she does seem to have some kind of feelings for bruce um but yeah there's definitely that little rise smile on silver's face after she's made the kiss she knows what it's like to get a a a young man to uh to twist him right around her fingers so yeah really interesting twist for silver's character absolutely
1: most definitely she is um obviously related to the gallivans i think Derek, what's your next point?
0: Uh, I also had silver, which is why I had my uh, my comment about the kiss because that was the uh, that was a big moment. Yeah, I, big snog for Brucey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll I'll choose another one, which is uh, the shootout at Butchers. Butch oh. Gilzean becoming uh, the head of a crime family, basically. Uh, it seems to have taken Gabe, who was uh, the uh, the other side man for Penguin, the former right hand man, um, possibly now still his right hand man since. Uh, Butch has lost his right hand.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. He's actually uh, Butch's left hand man and Penguin's right hand
0: man. Yeah, basically. Basically. Um, so, really good to see Butch in this kind of leading position. But of course, uh, in walk, Jim and Harvey. Uh, and we have a big shootout against the wonderful Victor Zaz, who has seemed to have developed an even bigger crew than he used to have. He used to have He's just. He's got a, a lot
1: of feminine followers now. Yeah, he had, he had the two. And uh, not just in Gotham. I reckon. That's very true. That's very true. But very yeah, popular. His actor. Posse in, um, in Gotham has grown
0: massively. Exponentially, I would say. It's like there's the, there was three kind of punk looking, uh, Zazettes as they were called. Uh, and we now have, uh, we now have a good group of about ten. Yeah, we it. love the
1: Zazettes.
0: Yeah, they're very cool. Very cool. Very cool indeed. As is Victor Zaz.
1: I mean, the, this is a great character. And I mean, look, he's not, on the screen for very long. He's, he's not in the scene for very long, but he just lifts it. His, just the presence, um, that Victor Zaz has is, is amazing Mm -hmm. for any scene that he's in. I absolutely, this is one of the, Great characters of Gotham.
0: Absolutely. Definitely. And as if confirmation were needed, it was confirmed last week that Victor Zaz will be getting an action figure in the Gotham uh, action figure line. It's coming right, out in September, too. I think. So, yeah, really good that, uh, that they're, they've picked him out and seen how much everybody loves the character. Uh, but I just love the showdown. And I'm going to say this is my uh batman 66 moment uh for the episode um the guns that are lying up against the wall basically gigantic mini guns i guess you'd call them uh which are really rapid repeating uh guns there's two of them there's a jim there's a harvey i love that they both pick them up and shoot back at Saz. the big the big shootout and obviously um as harvey is pointed towards the gun uh, he just goes, oh hell yeah! Uh, he's Big excited time. about using these guns. Very, very cool. Big time. Yeah, very, very cool. Really enjoyed it. Uh, a good scene and a good bit of you know, kind of revelations from Butch. A bit of exposition from him about what's going on with uh with Oswald. The fact that he didn't think that Galavan would would go through with it. That's why he brought Oswald to see his mom. He thought as I did, to be honest, that, uh, that Galavan would use it as a threat over, uh, over Oswald killing his mom. Um, but it turns out that he twisted again on, uh, on Butch Gilzean. So, uh, so he thinks that Oswald's gone off the deep end now and that's why they've, that's why they've left him. Whether I trust what his motives and what he's actually doing or whether, uh, whether he is still involved with Tabitha and, and with the Galavan family, I don't know yet, but, um, but yeah, interesting to see that he, uh, he basically turned tail and ran. He didn't dress up in a penguin costume and, and, uh, And follow penguin to the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh John, what's your next point?
1: My next point is the many little monsters. Mm -hmm. The the army of waddling penguins that uh Oswald sends to Galavan's victory uh celebrations. Um this to me was just fantastic. It was so reminiscent of Batman sixty-six. It was reminiscent of just almost jokery, actually, in the way it was done. Mm. Um, I, I loved it, I, and it's it's a small point, and um, that's really all it is. I love the idea that, um, in order to infiltrate into this um, event, he just sent loads of decoys And yeah. um, at the uh, at. To, uh, the celebrations it was so batman 66 for me this is my batman 66 right. moment and um, is all these decoys all heading to take out galafan it was just a great little moment it, it i just loved it mm-hmm. Um i thought it, it it fitted well it made sense it's very smart yeah. as well yeah smart exactly right. and
0: i mean for me it was just really, really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh what I particularly liked about the scene, we've been covering Gotham right back to um February twenty fourteen, can you imagine? Uh almost two years now we've been podcasting about Gotham, uh which I love. Yeah, um Absolutely. But I had to question myself there. I wasn't sure whether we'd been doing it for two years. Yes, we've been podcasting about Gotham for two years now. Um But what I love about it was the original reveal or the original pilot that was shown of Gotham was shown at the San Diego Comic-Con and one of the events that they had on was Find a Penguin, effectively. And they had people dressed up as the character of Robin Lord Taylor's version of the penguin all around San Diego. Um, People were able to find them and they would give them uh, you know, special entrances or special prizes at the time. Then cut to New York um, where they had the premiere about a week before, I think, or maybe it was even the night it aired um, in... The US, uh, they had the official premiere of the show uh, in New York, and that was effectively uh, centered around all of the ushers being dressed as the Penguin. So I love that they've incorporated that that whole launch of Gotham into this episode. I think it's really interesting that they've been able to bring that right the way back from the original promotion stuff that they used to do in the marketing team, have turned this into a plan of Oswald's, and they finally actually, in continuity, given him his his team of penguins. I love that. I think that's really cool and a a lovely little callback for all of us who've been around right back from the start. Absolutely. the original promotion material. It's
1: really cool. cool. Um, It just fitted really well. And I think, you know, I've just got to move on to my next point here, which is the wonderful, conniving and menacing Galavan. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to say, obviously his cover's blown. So, I mean, you know, Whoops. Um yes. he shouldn't mess maybe have gone after Penguin like he had done, but I think the whispering to Jim as Jim and Penguin face off, and Jim is there going, put the gun down. It it's that it's that conflict between having to protect a directly elected official mm-hmm. with the knowledge that the person who he is protecting has killed, maimed, and bribes his way corruptly to that position and i mean that face-off between jim and galavan being actually the coward of hiding behind jim gordon uh, and with then with the penguin it is really good but i just loved how galavan whispered you know shoot him this is a direct order shoot him and jim stands his ground and ultimately you know he reflects back on on the words used by by galavan as he starts to use the resources of the gcpd the da through harvey dent in in trying to attack penguin Mm -hmm. where jim reflects back onto him you know in desperate times there are desperate measures or desperate actions required, and I will go after you. So, I mean, really good. I love this scene. I love this standoff between the two.
0: Yeah. And I will just give a huge compliment to the director of the scene, particularly during the showdown. Uh, you mentioned the whisper in, in Jim's ear of shoot him. I love how that's combined with the gunshot from Tabitha, I'm, I'm presuming, who takes uh, who takes the shot on Oswald and shoots him through the shoulder. Um, I love how it's combined as in shoot him and then the shot goes off instantly as if uh, the command wasn't being given to Jim, as if it was actually being Absolutely. given to Tabitha. I yeah. thought it was a really well put together scene. Uh, and I loved it. I, I love the emotion from um, from Oswald again he is a murderer he is a killer in this city he's uh he's a very bad guy but you feel so passionately on his side um because of the loss of his mother Uh, really well put together it's only it's only gotham that can do this that can make you really care for the villains the way they do hence i guess why this season is the rise of the villains you know absolutely yeah my one of my other points is right in that scene just absolutely loved the again the coverage of tabitha uh, in here we've got the entire gcpd police force here covering the events making sure that nothing happens to galavan yes you've got tabitha standing there his sister covering the whole thing because she knows she can't trust the gcpd to do her job effectively she even does in the most gruesome moment from the episode as far as i'm concerned she takes out one of the gcpd herself she doesn't need to there's no reason why she does it other than the fact that she opens fire on one of the one of the people dressed as penguin Um, she could be seen as uh, as you know defending her brother potentially but she doesn't even talk about it she takes out this gcpd member with a heel through the throat. And it is so gruesome and so, uh, so well shot. It's, Completely. Put together. it's a fantastic scene.
1: This is one of those moments where it's like, why haven't I seen that before? Yeah. The, and maybe it has been done before on, on film or, or, or something, but I, this was a fan fantastic bit of horror a bit of gore mm-hmm. in terms of how she utilizes her high heels to to kill through the neck i think it was one of the strike force members i think as well. yes i believe it was uh, yeah. so like it was just cool as cucumbers i mean this was like fantastic um improv uh, i mean i don't know she might. Kill someone with like uh, eyeliner in the next episode, but this was <laughs> to me was like Tabitha. sassy, classy, uh, uh, and deadly. Yeah, like it was brilliant. Well, Loved that. Was
0: deadly, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. Uh, liked it a lot. I love. I, I'm really loving Tabitha. I'm loving every time she's on screen. Now she's uh, she's become one of my favorite characters on the yeah, show. She
1: really, she's really grown in this role. Or the or the the writing has really started to propel her forward. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice. It was kind of like she was like this shy person at the start. You know, she was just in the background. She mm. didn't say too much. Um, just kind of s- sat or stood there. And she was having a th- fling or her thing with with Barbara. And, you know what was going on here. Mm. And then um, you know she has kind of just come into her own. Like really, really good.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of in the way I take it is probably that. Uh, Galavan had given her the command to stay back you stay out of the way I'll deal with this and when I need you I'll call you because he knows her strengths and he knows what she can do for him um, so I'm wondering if he's now kind of taking the leash off a little bit or else she just couldn't keep herself leashed up uh, like a caged lion for for that long or a caged tigress, I suppose you'd call her Um I think she's kind of off the leash now and will do whatever the heck she wants Um she's not going to listen to Galavan too much longer I think uh, that was my point. John, what's your... I think I can guess. What's your next? It's the other huge point, and it's my I final point of, of, of
1: this episode, Yeah, which is good, bad, enigma. Um, this is... And I've said this before, so I might be proven wrong, but this is a defining moment. This is where two become one. <laughs> this is... Um, the riddle me this, this is the riddle being left on the bed by his alter ego for himself uh, to find the body that he didn't know was moved and was surprised not to see on the bed by moved by Himself, yeah. Like this is a great Freudian sort of duality of of the personality of Enigma and and the birth of the riddle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love that, you know, the riddle is you need a hand. Look for her initials at the GCPD, and it's in the vending machine. It's with the lady fingers, and there (laughs) are Christine Kringle's lady fingers um, being ejected from the vending machine and i just thought this was awesome and a bit like towards the end of season one the the effects of um ed enigma speaking to himself the 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 modulated voice the um the the, the jerky um snappy kind of image and flickering image of of himself, the echo in the voice as he's talking to himself is really well done. It really suits this character. And Corey Michael Smith is excellent, absolutely excellent Mm -hmm. doing this part. I mean, I think we truly have now seen the birth of the Riddler. I think previously when I said that, with hindsight, it was the birth of bad Enigma. Mm-hmm. And now what we see is that, you know, how did it feel? You know, he keeps repeating it. How did it feel? Um, and he goes, beautiful. Yeah. And here we have now that good Enigma likes the feel of getting away with murder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's no longer just simply a dual personality. This is the Riddler personality taking over. And I want to see more Riddles now. Like, this first Riddle was excellent. I'm not saying they need to do it on every episode, but I really want to see the Riddles coming. Even if they're done on cases that the GCPD are investigating, maybe it's fun stuff around the GCPD. But I want to see the Riddler... Do his riddles but in a menacing way but
0: also in a fun way from time to time yeah. like this like we've definitely um, seen the rhymes yeah. and we've definitely seen the questions that, that Ed's used before uh, but yeah I love the merging of evil Ed and good Ed I'm really 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 enjoying that this is a fantastic portion of the episode um, just simply the wake up call from evil Ed uh, to good Ed when he's lying on the when he's sitting on the floor isn't it uh, he wakes him up and just says um well, I took care of that because I knew you'd wake up all boo this morning and not know what to do with yourself. <laughs> um, I love the turn of phrases so different than we've seen from Ed Nigma. Uh, yeah, Corey Michael Smith knocked it out of the park. He's absolutely the villain of the week this week, I think uh, would be the way I'd say it. There's so many villains in this episode, you know, everybody from Butch to Galavan has their moment. Absolutely. Zazz, you know, but completely without a doubt, Corey Michael Smith is fantastic. And I, you know, to your point, this is also my final point, obviously. Um, But to your point, the whole scene at the end, which really has a feeling of fight club. I'm sure we've talked about that inspiration before, but really has that feeling of how fight club was shot, where it's very grimy, um it's got the kind of flickering camera work and then the two of them merge into the smile of the real enigma being revealed when he says uh, it felt beautiful um he's going to do this again this is not the only killing is death the death of uh, of christian Kringle is not the only one that's going to be at his hands at his choice um there's going to be future killings
1: absolutely and and like we have to give uh, a mention again a shout out to um chelsea speck Mm-hmm. Um as Kristen kringle you know in this episode um i'm assuming it was her on, on the mortuary yes, slab it was, yeah. you know obviously uh, a quieter um scene in which she has no lines <laughs> to deliver but you know she gave a fantastic performance as the love interest of, of enigma as the person who kind of really showed um that she wasn't necessarily interested really pulled as well Nygma, maybe to her own detriment out yeah, of yeah. his shell Absolutely. but um the dynamic between the two were excellent um and you know we have to give a shout out to to chelsea Speck for for playing such a great counterpoint um to enigma.
0: Absolutely. And I hope she didn't mind the tweet out last night that said her performance was a little bit stiff uh, in, in that episode. <laughs> uh, I hope she didn't mind that. But no, I really enjoyed that character and it's a, another you know the characters were so well played and we watched we've watched every single episode of the show obviously and talked about them. So you get feel like you get very close to these characters and don't want any of them to go. Um this is Gotham. A lot of people are going to die. Really, we understand that. Uh, sad to have lost another, another one this episode. Um, I think that's our top five points. I've got a couple of notes. So do I. My, well,
1: Derek, what are your notes first?
0: My, well, my first note is just our bullockism of the week. I've, I've got a choice for bullockism of the week. Um, which is effectively when Jim asks Harvey, uh, do you believe what Butch is saying? Is he telling the truth? And Harvey says, Questions like that are above my pay grade and below my sense of wonder. <laughs> uh, I love love the turn of phrase of, of Harvey Bullock. Really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, he also comes out with, you know, this is Gotham. Everyone's lying in Gotham. Mm-hmm. And I think that relates again to this whole notion of um is Galavan really the person that's being described by by Oswald or is Oswald lying? You know, I mean, I'm just trying to think does even Harvey... Bullock know that Oswald and Jim still have this kind of secret between the two of them? Or does he think that that's a thing in the past? So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the only truthful person in Gotham is Harvey Bullock. <laughs> maybe, so maybe. I really, really kind of like that idea. Yeah. Um, it kind of brings me on to my, one of my notes as well. And and that's actually more just Jim and Jim Gordon. It's a slight little negative. Okay. Um, okay. But I do think that... The contradiction in Jim's character of, of being down in the mud and, and slumming it with, with Penguin and doing his dirty work, keeping that secret, and then being the high and mighty moral high ground.
0: Mm.
1: I think as it's going on, I'm becoming less and less convinced by this. I don't see um, enough... um conflict in jim that he's struggling with this and um, it seems like he can flip on a dime right. between being uh, penguin's helper or, or or taking penguin's advice or believing him despite everything that's gone on and knowing just how bad penguin is and then becoming high and mighty um to Uh, Captain Barnes, or to Galavan. I mean, what is the difference between Galavan and Penguin? Not an awful lot, yet Jim has decided to take a side. Mm -hmm. And I'm not too sure I'm fully on board with this um, at the moment. It it kind of became quite obvious to me in this episode, but I still think um, the contradiction I guess it's Gotham. So yeah. it's not that I don't agree with it, but I, I think I need a bit more convincing that Jim is actually starting to struggle with this because at yeah. the moment it just seems like he flip-flops between the two depending on how it suits. And that's becoming... That that makes this whole dichotomy less convincing yeah, it... for, for
0: me. So it's a slight negative,
1: but... It certainly doesn't detract from this episode, which I absolutely love.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost as like occasionally the Jim Gordon character is written to suit the situation that absolutely. the character is put in. um, Which is not necessarily great. So there's a lot of things that are kind of backing up now. We've got a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things he's been involved in, which should be coming down to bear on him a lot more. um. But, yeah, it just feels like he doesn't learn anything from the situation that he's just been in in the previous episode, effectively, that he's just written in a slightly different way each time to suit it. So it's quite difficult to get a a handle on how his character should react in every situation.
1: And maybe it's just I'm coming at it from the Jim Gordon of the comics or the films where he is quite a moral character. I mean, he does have his bad side he does i think uh, you know from the dark knight rises plunge his hands into the filth so that others don't have to yeah. but you sense a conflict in that jim gordon mm-hmm. that he's that he's doing it for that purpose so this character trait is there for jim gordon i absolutely get that and mm-hmm. um, but it just feels that maybe the, the character just doesn't seem concerned about it or isn't wrangling with the issue yeah. in his own mind. And and that, uh, that that is a bit problematic for me for, for Jim Gordon because mm-hmm. actually maybe he's the corrupt one. he And maybe that's how Gotham is trying to push the boundaries of this character. Maybe they are completely altering Jim Gordon's character like they've done with Barbara Keane. Yeah. You know, they have done it. I'm not saying that they are, and I don't think they are. But... I do think. Am I just sort of projecting what I've known about Jim Gordon previously onto this
0: version? Yeah. So- pot- potentially, I don't know whether it would be a huge perverse to say that Jim has had some corruption in his past. There's definitely evidence from comic books and from and from the films and other other media where uh, Jim Gordon has appeared that he is suspected, particularly by the the district attorney in in the in the town, he is suspected of having some form of Um, some form of criminality or some form of backhanders taken. He's not beyond reproach, I suppose would be the easiest way to say it. Um, He's not Batman. Uh, Batman's Batman. Uh, Jim Gordon has has possibly had to do, had to work in the grey areas of Gotham to get things done. The point about this Jim Gordon is he came to the city thinking that he wouldn't have to go into those grey areas. He's gone quite deeply into them. And I think the point you're trying to make I suppose, is and I think the point you're making, John, if I'm, if I'm right, is that we're not seeing the effects of those grey areas as we should be. He should be learning from them. He should be talking about them. He should be reacting to things a little bit quicker. Um, sometimes he feels like he's put in a scene as the Jim Gordon that we knew a year ago. Um, and there needs to be a bit more it's a bit
1: inconsistent. That. It's a bit inconsistent yeah. sometimes definitely and yeah. and I think it kind of was very obvious in this episode mm-hmm. purely because you had on the one hand Galavan and on the other hand cobblepot and actually very little if anything distinguishes either of them in terms of what they've done to achieve their status. Yeah um maybe it's just the sullying of the status of the office of Myrrh mm-hmm. as to why jim is in favour of copplepot because he hasn't done that but it starts to be a bit problematic for me i think and so i i it, it'll be useful to see how
0: um this carries through i think for the rest of the season yeah yeah absolutely um i've just got one final note which i uh which i thought was a a fun one uh a little call out for the relationship between leslie and jim uh where leslie passes over the keys to her apartment uh to jim and he kind of goes um do you Am I supposed to give you the keys to my apartment, to my place? And Leslie says, do you have a place? Which I I love as a little call out because we've never seen Jim's house. He's never had a house. Uh, He's lived in Barbara's house. He's lived in the police house. And now he basically always spends his time in Leslie's house. So I never actually knew did he have an apartment. I already moved in with her. Um, so I like this little kind of in-joke that uh, even Leslie doesn't know whether he has a, another house <laughs> yeah, to go to it's, or not. Yeah, really
1: good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's a nice little kind
1: of in-joke. Definitely.
0: Yeah. That's, I think, our final notes and points on this episode.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, anything else to. I would definitely give this four lady fingers out of five. I mean, <laughs> this was a really good episode, really strong. Okay, I, I've mentioned a little sort of um, negative there towards the end, but. This episode is absolutely standout. Loads going on. Uh, Really, really good episode of Gotham. Yeah. 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 But I think uh, with that, we shall move on to some feedback.
0: Absolutely. If you want to send in your feedback to us, you can email us at feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can just search for Gotham TV Podcast. We've got a page and a group Uh, in the page. All of our discussions are obviously at Gotham at the UK pace. So, Come in and enjoy us as we uh, we post a little uh, little spoiler warning uh, for the episode and you can just post in your thoughts uh, as the episode unfolds. Uh, you can also obviously follow us on Twitter, we're Gotham TV Podcast over there. Uh, go find us. So first off through Facebook reactions after the episode. Um Claire Payne says Jim has been left with a lot to think about in the showdown scene. Love Galavan's reaction when Jim says he knows he killed Gertrude.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was a great moment when Jim looks over his shoulder and says to Galavan that he knows... That, uh, he's the one that killed Gertrude and Gallivan just gives him this look and then says, shoot him. Um, a nice little moment, but it is the look between him going, I don't care that you know. I'm now your boss. I'm now a mayor. You are now a tool that I can use. Uh, nice little play by James Frayn in there. Really, really good. Yeah. Doug Green says, ripped your heart
1: right out when Mama Capelport went, didn't it? Absolutely. Like this was totally unexpected for me. I kind of thought they were going to save the day with, with Gertrude and, um, Oh at least the double cross was going to happen but maybe that they would both be imprisoned I was not expecting the the death of and the RIP of such a big character mm-hmm. um whose presence as I said I think is huge on this show so um both directly and indirectly
0: so I can't wait to see how this is going to absolutely screw up Oswald yeah yeah definitely uh, and Don says this episode has everything so glad that Jim knows Galavan is bad news now poor Oswald Totally agree with you, Don. Totally Absolutely. Agree
1: you. This was a really good episode with loads going on. And married it so well, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. On Twitter, we have uh, Ricky Valer's RIP pretty lady, sad face, she says, as in response to uh, Gertrude's uh,
0: death. Yeah, and Paul Edwards comments about the guns in uh, Butcher's Place. He says, effective guns, but can't see them being standard issue for police, even in Gotham. <laughs> no. It was pretty um heavy military hardware there, definitely. Yeah, I think Harvey really enjoyed getting his hands yeah. on it though,
1: as I said. And a Media Shock UK said that Dent has alternative motives for sure, or has he? Question mark. Is this the start of Two Face?
0: Yeah, this is in reference to Nicholas D'Augusto popping up in this episode who plays Harvey Dent, who we haven't seen in quite a few episodes. Um he appears here to introduce Galavan at the uh, I suppose the uh, celebratory party of becoming Mayor of Gotham uh, really interesting choice to have uh, Harvey Dent up there and I loved there was a, a couple of good little uh, tags of the flashes of uh, of light bulbs on one side of his face again uh, showing that he is 2 faced I really would love to see more of Nicholas D'Agosto in the show um, I think it would be interesting for somebody that doesn't watch the show very often may not understand who that this is the District Attorney coming in and, and welcoming in the new Mayor Uh it was interesting there was no kind of intro moment, there was no uh, no meeting of him with any other character, he just came on stage, welcomed in Galavan and then disappeared, you know um, so I'd like to think, to MediaShock UK's tweet, I'd, I'd like to think um, there are alternative motives in here, but I don't know whether we're going to find out, I presume. I hope we are.
1: Hopefully. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean he's there as well uh, providing Galavan and Barnes with the arrest warrant as well. So like, he's again becoming uh, heavily involved here but hopefully he now becomes heavily involved again um, with with the show called Gotham. Yeah definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, We got some feedback by direct uh, message through Twitter from Paul Edwards. He goes, quite Question for the podcast. Do you think Gordon will join Penguin to go after Theo and have to go against Captain Barnes to do so, to restore the balance? Question mark. Also, by the way, would just like to say the actor who plays Matt was absolutely amazing in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Corey Michael Smith was Excellent here as, uh, as Ed Nigma. Definitely completely agree with Nygma. you. Yeah. <laughs> as good and, and bad Nigma and then the riddler Um, and I do think that, um, it will be interesting to see now what happens, mm. uh, with Captain Barnes, because I think the predicament that we have now for Jim is that. He still has to protect Theo. He could argue that it that Galavan is this corrupt um person who's killed his way to the post of mayor. Mm. Uh, but is Captain Barnes going to believe Theo Galavan or is he going to believe Oswald Copperpot? And he may start to question Jim Gordon. Well, why do you place Oswald's um Version of events, say, above someone who comes from a respected family, Mm -hmm. um, is is wealthy, has been elected mayor, has tried to save Gotham. So this may put Captain Barnes on a collision course with Jim Gordon because he's simply supporting Theo as being the mayor of Mm -hmm. Gotham. So, in a sense, unbeknown to Captain Barnes, he's siding with the bad guy and is going to arrange, um, maybe the office of captain of the GCPD at, um, at Jim Gordon. Or maybe there will be suspicions by Captain Barnes of this potential connection between Jim, Jim and Oswald. And Oswald. Yeah. So that's a really interesting question, Paul, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah I'd be intrigued to see if, uh, if Gordon teams up with Penguin. It might be one of those, um, you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of, kind of ideas. Yeah. He's worked with Oswald before, but, uh, but in the capacity of the two of them working together to take down Galavan, um, I suppose the motive of Oswald is to kill um the person who killed his mother uh, that will hopefully be very different from jim i presume he wants to arrest him and and take him down a peg get him out of the mayor office uh, expose who he is to the public uh, i would doubt that there'll be a vendetta that he would be going after galavan uh, and killing him um i think that would be more oswald's motive so knowing that would jim team up with someone that know that that is going to kill the mayor of gotham um I don't know but he may be pushed into a circumstance where he does have to team up
1: yeah again. watch this space it'd be interesting to see how it, it pans out definitely
0: yep yeah. um we also have some email feedback this week from Daniel Butcher from Welcome to Level Seven Podcast, the best Agents of Shield podcast. I think absolutely. That's uh, thanks again, Daniel, for your feedback. Uh, he says, "Hello, detectives. I really liked Penguin's trick. It's nice to remember that he is a genius." Mm-hmm. Uh, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good. He um, says, "Galavan. I know a lot of people don't like him; think he's a little over the top. I love him. This is a comic book villain I, if I have ever seen one." Agent Daniel, out big time i'm really
1: enjoying galvin i'm loving his laconic um delivery of the lines i i thought the shoot him whisper to um to jim gordon in in the face off against penguin yeah. was awesome it was really really good it's the smile at every turn and then the menace on his face when he's with the people who he really trusts yeah and also then there's the fact that he brings the history uh to gotham the context of this feud between the gallivans and the the waynes which is so fascinating so yeah i i love this character definitely
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. Really liking Theo, uh, Gallivan and really liking James Frane's portrayal of the character. It's fun. It's different. You know, it's not as, uh, over the top as Fish Mooney would have gotten sometimes during season one. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I guess they're going to have an over the top character in Gotham, but there's so much going on here. There's so much, uh, there's so much more of a heightened quality within season two of Gotham that I don't know whether Gallivan stands out as being too comic booky. He's a, He's a good villain for Gotham, really, uh, in my head. Absolutely. Our next piece of feedback comes from Natalie. Uh, it gives a long piece of feedback, but I really enjoyed reading it, so I'm going to. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna really go good. It. Um, so Natalie says it's my turn to feel that something moved a bit too fast in Gotham. For me, it was the election, as in, well, we didn't see it. Uh, Come on, this is Gotham. It feels like a town where vote early, vote often is thrown around only half-jokingly. Where's the ballot stuffing? Where's the voter intimidation? If Theo Galavan is not above intimidating a freaking congressman into a mere endorsement, then he certainly isn't above voter intimidation. On the other hand, it would have been funny for some random mook asking Theo about voter intimidation and Theo scoffing, Oh please, I have standards. The voting must be fair and square. (laughs) Uh, Still, it would have been nice to have a small sequence of voters showing up to one representative polling place, uh, then the Gallivan campaign, hearing and celebrating the news that he did indeed win, uh, just to let us know the election happened. I mean, this is what Theo has been aiming for in his early game. Even if story-wise it was a foregone conclusion that he'd win, he could have used that kind of touchstone. However, having said that, it is becoming apparent that the reason some things do feel compressed and too fast is Because this season is packed with twists and turns, everything is interconnected. If you move A, you affect D. Um, Take the Gloucester election, for example. You will be seeing this episode in early spring, John and Derek. Um, But we Americans saw it the day before election day. And an eerie coincidence, my hometown says Natalie had a mayoral race to decide this year. And so did my Fox station's host city. (laughs) Uh, The episode fits perfectly where it landed time-wise. And the election itself likely marked the end of phase one of Theo Galavan's grand plan. Interesting note here, Natalie. Yeah. And I was going to mention it in my notes, but I saw your, I read your, um, your feedback just before we started, uh, started our podcast. Interesting note is in Ireland, we have our general election, our election yeah. for all of our candidates to, to run, um, our state. It's at the end of this week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's on Friday of this week. So interesting that this episode had landed in the week of an election where we're seeing tons and tons of candidates saying things to try and get votes. Uh, some, Maybe as dishonest as Galavan. uh hopefully not uh the ones I vote for hopefully um but yeah, it's been interesting to be walking up uh up a road looking at posters uh proclaiming that they're the next thing to save our save our city and save our country um when in fact some of them have no idea how to run a country uh and are probably in for their own reasons, so interesting to see that and then come into come into Gotham and see that they've elected elected a new mayor so yeah. This, that was a party political broadcast
1: <laughs> by. Derek.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So back to Natalie's email. She says, So let's think of the election as a fixed point and whose episode had to air in early November. However, because of the intricacies of Theo's plan, many dominoes must fall into place for him to reach this point. She says earlier, John... You complained that Sarah Essen died so soon into the season at the hands of Jerome, since every police department in the world would crack down hardest on cop killers, only the insane, like Jerome, or the very cunning, like Theo Galavan, would be so foolhardy to storm into a police station and kill the commissioner, thereby incurring such wrath. However, Jerome would be sacrificed early as a pawn in Theo's aim to become mayor by looking like a hero. Killing Jerome to help save Bruce Wayne kickstarts Theo's rise in popularity. Therefore, Commissioner Sarah Essen had to die early.
1: That's a really, really good point. Uh, And it fits that um, theory, which I think I would adhere to, about dominoes having to fall into place. And I think um, I actually do feel that okay you are always going to get that in some in a story and in in a narrative um it could be that maybe with gertrude's uh death here is it untimely is it not i i don't think it's untimely i don't mm. feel that in the same way and um, because she hasn't been central to the episodes but nonetheless um i would like to see that this will now kick start um a whole series of events uh in the life of one oswald cobblepot so it'll be interesting to see but i certainly think that's a, a very well made point yeah. yeah thanks so much for that nashley yeah
0: definitely yeah 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 definitely good point um, Natalie goes on to say, my other big reaction to this episode was, dang, Silver St. Cloud is as evil as her stepdad. As soon as she showed her evil side, I instantly hated her.
1: <laughs> Snap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping she would be merely an innocent pawn, then she could resurface in season three and serve a similar function to teenage Bruce as her adult counterpart usually did in the comics, as a high society date for Playboy Bruce. Uh, Gotham is already crowded enough, but Bruce could use a few more peers to interact with in various ways. I totally agree with that. I think think we need a few more. I think we need Tommy Elliott back. Big time. We need to have Bruce interact with him and then maybe become friends. Bruce is seeming more and more isolated out in that that house. That big country house, that Wayne Manor. And we do know, obviously, Batman is a solitary character, but we should see... Um, Bruce at least interact with some other characters. Natalie says, the flip side of this is that Natalie Allen Lynn's performance blew me away with a maturity and a femme fatale sexuality far beyond her years. Creepy good. Massive kudos to the casting director who finds the talent for this show, and I get to add my mental list of actresses who share my name. (laughs) Um, The casting director's actually recently won an award for um, for the cast and the ensemble cast for Gotham and a well deserved award, well deserved award. A third and final thought continues Natalie. Just when you think Penguin is, has completely lost it over his missing and then dead mother, he reveals the presence of mind to come up with a brilliant strategy to get inside with an army of Penguin decoys. Great image. It was another great episode. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Natalie. Absolutely. Uh, one, Definitely. Of the, one of the other things I did find interesting in the episode, we didn't mention it in our notes or, 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 or our points about the, the episode. I love that Oswald says to Jim, if you kill me now you won't know the real plan behind Theo. Uh, didn't mention it at all. Um, so he's referencing the fact that he does know that Theo's trying to control Wayne Enterprises and trying to take out uh, Bruce Wayne um, from Wayne Enterprises and take that over. And he's the only one that knows this. I like that. So, so uh, Jim has worked out that he is a bad guy he's worked out that he's killed Gertrude but he doesn't know the real plan the only person that knows that is Oswald so I like that connection I like there's a little more that Oswald has once again
1: Oswald always knows the plan he is the man in the know definitely and that's what I love about Oswald Cobblepot mm-hmm. there is a reason he was a snitch to, to the, the police yeah. and to the MCU in season one um, and it's great seeing that side of uh of Oswald Cobblepot, definitely. Definitely. And
0: our final piece of feedback for this week comes from Owen Heafy. Um, not about Gotham, but about, uh, about our Batman versus Superman discussion that we talked about. Uh, Owen says, Hi Derek, John, just been listening to episode five. I was enjoying your discussion about the start of Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice production. Um, I was just wondering if in your next podcast you could discuss the casting of Ezra Miller as The Flash. As someone who is very invested in Grant Gustin as Barry Allen, uh, it is a shame that he was not brought into the film. As for Green Arrow, there doesn't seem to be any mention of him. I believe Stephen Amell would be a huge addition. Uh, your discussion was well-rounded in the idea that TV could be a younger version of the film, but it seems Flash is about the same age. Don, what's your thoughts? Uh, We have a new Flash and a new Arrow, potentially, uh, in the movie universe. They've pretty much confirmed in DC they're not going to use any of the actors that have portrayed those two particular characters um, on the TV run. They're not going to use those in the DC universe. What's your thoughts on on that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I posted on the Gotham TV podcast uh, group. um, It was... Uh, the the six figures coming up in in the DC uh, universe you know Superman Batman Wonder Woman cyborg uh, Aquaman and of course then uh, you have uh, Ezra Miller as the flash and I it's the first image I actually had seen of uh, Ezra Miller um and I really kind of thought he looked the part and um, having said that I've also into the Flash I I was never a big Flash fan or fanatic Mm. uh, but Grant Gustin has really brought me into that universe in a really good way I I really like the Flash um, and certainly it was an interesting choice for DC to to, to leave him on the small screen um, and, and cast someone new I I just think that's how DC works. I don't think it's all about being connected like Mm -hmm. with Marvel, where if you have Nick Fury popping up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., well, then it's going to have to be Samuel L. Jackson. I just don't think that's how uh, Warner Brothers and DC roll with regards to these characters. I mean, even just on the notion of, like, we watched The Dark Knight Rises there, um, only maybe... A couple of days ago, and, um, just the difference in tone that I can see that Batman v Superman is going to be, uh, based on the trailers. And um, yeah, it's going to be dark. It's going to be brooding, but you can see a, a difference in, in what it's going to provide to that character of Batman compared to, to what the, the Christopher Nolan trilogy did. And it's going to build on it and add on onto it. And so hopefully, then Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin uh, both um, will contribute to the Flash character and to Bar- Barry Allen's character um, in, in a really overall positive way for for the Flash. I know certainly for me, Grant Gustin has been... Um, like, really, really good. And I, I think. I really from, enjoyed yeah, it, definitely. Yeah. I, I, and from that basis, it's a shame, maybe, that he was overlooked. Absolutely. Mm. And I think for me, for Stephen Ammel, it would have been really nice to have seen him in there. I mean, I've heard, um, at, at New York Comic Con, the, um, two years ago, you know Jeff Johns, who is like the creative director and chief of uh, of DC, or in fact, is he the chief executive officer of DC Comics yeah. and so on? He really gave a huge shout out as to what Stephen Amell did. Yeah. to to bring um the DC universe to the TV, uh, and to to provide a popularity to it, which has ultimately led to the Flash, to Gotham, to Supergirl, uh, and to the Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a huge number of, of properties now of DC that have that
0: come. Constantine, as a little tear rolled uh, down. Well, the that's true, yeah. and
1: Constantine. Yep. A big tear rolls down my cheek, really, Mm -hmm. at that. Um, You know, so this, Stephen Amell has done an absolute huge amount for the standing of DC, I think, in terms of the TV screen. And I I, I think he could, um, and it would have been nice to to see him in in the movies as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I agree. Um, But I do think. You've got to remember, these guys do a 22 episode series of a show. And um, the intention of the new DC movie universe with Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Just Justice—it's in the title. It will be the dawn of the Justice League of films. Effectively, we've got—I think—we've got six different DC movies that are all connected to each other that are being born out of Batman versus Superman. So. You know, either you cancel the Arrow TV show and cancel the Flash TV show and you move those actors into, into Hollywood movies, which neither of them have done really in the past. So, um, can, can you hang an entire movie franchise of millions and millions, far more than the budget of a TV, of a 22 episode TV show? Can you hang that on Grant Gustin? Can you hang that on Stephen Amell? Possibly not. Um, so I think they're looking for something very different in the movie universe. So, I'm really happy with what we get on Flash. I'm really happy with having that TV show out there. Um, I don't know whether I needed this, the leap um, or the speedy jump um, from, <laughs> from the TV screen into the movies for the character of Grant Gustin. One of the other things is we do get to see the multiverse quite a lot uh, on the TV show of Flash, so we see loads of different versions of people playing the flash well that's between, true about four or five of them i think so far yeah um so that's a good thing that's kind of sets it up that potentially there's just a different universe where there's a person that looks very different who's also called barry allen and also the flash so it sets it up if they ever want an incontinuity explanation for this but i don't think that's what dc are going for no
1: but i it, i wonder whether there'll be a, a little cameo or, or of some description not even one that's necessarily sort of highlighted in any in any way that could um, they at least get to visit the set <laughs> well, yeah, let's hope uh, DC
0: aren't that stingy. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But well, thank you so much for that feedback, Owen. Yeah, thanks so much, Owen. And thanks very much to everybody who's given us feedback this week. Yeah, you can provide the feedback at feedback
1: at gothamtvpodcast.com. You can uh, search Gotham TV Podcast on Facebook, join our group, um, like our page, and, of course, um tweet at us repeatedly at
0: gotham tv podcast definitely definitely great to hear from all the listeners and really good to have some really good feedback this week uh you can join us next week for episode eight of gotham we'll be back every week now up until episode 22 uh you can find the podcast obviously at gotham tv slash itunes if you're an itunes kind of person uh, if you're an android person you can find us on any other good podcast catcher like beyond pod a cast. Um, you can find us through uh, Podcast Addicts uh, or Stitcher if you wish. Um, please leave us a review anywhere you can see to leave reviews that always helps people find our podcast uh, and really, really good talking again about Gotham. We'll speak to you again next week.
1: Yeah, I'm off to drink some Lapsang Souchong um, taking that smoky pinewood flavour. Thank you so much for listening and we will be back with you next week for Gotham Episode
0: 8. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby.
1: Which is coupled with, quite frankly, the reveal that Riversong um, is not as innocent as she might be. What? River Song. <laughs> River song. <laughs> Different show, John. Oh my God. <laughs> but of course, this is all coupled with the reveal that. Oh, uh, God, it's I've got River Song in my head now.
0: This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.